We are in the middle of a series, I say in the middle because we launched it last week, a series called Gifted. All right, now this, this series, I love this series uh, because um, it's just been on my heart for several, several, several months, uh, even planning to jump into this new year. And let me just give you the bottom line uh, foundation of this series, where we're headed, why we wanted to do it. Here's what we believe. We believe everyone has been gifted. All right, now the target audience for this series are for those who would self-identify as Christians, for those who would say that they are followers of Christ, they've crossed that line of faith, they really do believe that the Holy Spirit of God indwells them. And so for you, that's the target of who we're talking about. We say, hey, listen, everyone that falls into that category is and has been gifted. If you fall outside that category, you've been gifted, but that's a whole other conversation in terms of you have the gift and opportunity to come to Christ. That's what you have as a gift. But this series is about the fact that you've been gifted. If you're a believer, if you're a follower, you've been sort of given these gifts And most people don't even realize they're there. And the bottom line for this series is the end of our conversation through all that we're going to be doing is we want to unleash the power within you. We want to unleash better than any New Year's resolutions, better than any one word you can come up with. I really do believe that beginning to understand and live in the gifts that you've been given is the way in which you experience the power of God in your life. That's what I really do believe. The power of God for transformation, for purpose, for impact. That's where I believe it happens. Now, the reason we're doing this series is because most Christians, most Christians say this. Most Christians say, what gifts? Right? What gifts? What was, what was maybe confusing or not really focused on in the generation of Christians before us is lost in our current generation. Understanding spiritual gifts, understanding why we've been gifted is lost in our current generation. And so this is one of the reasons we felt like this was important. And last week, I spent a great deal of time talking about um, how, that, how it works and why it is we don't experience the power of God in our lives. This is a verse we're reading every week just to keep it in our memory. It's a simple verse to read. We're going to read it all together. That's what we'll do every week just to help us bring. How many remember doing that in school? You always read, wrote things down and said it out loud so you can help memorize it. So we're going to memorize this verse together. You ready? 1 Peter 4.10. Let's all read it together. All right, here we go. God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. I just love this verse. Hey, God's given you, he's gifted you. He's given you a gift from this great variety of spiritual gifts. And let's just say those two words. Just say those two words. Use them, right? Say it one more time. Say them again. Use them. Yeah, because the gifts that he's given you are not just for you to look at and appreciate and say, oh God, how awesome you are. It's to use them, right? It's to actually engage them. It's to, they're functional. And so we have to not only, last week we talked about some of the areas of why we don't understand, why we don't um, experience the power of God through our gifts. And one of the reasons is because we don't really understand them. We don't trust God. We get distracted. These are just some of the things we talked about last week. And the biggest part of this was understanding. And Paul talked about spiritual gifts, and he gave a constant picture, not only just of the body of Christ, but he just used a human body. He said, listen, just think about a human body, right? Just think, that's why I wanted to use a whole body today. Just think about the whole human, when you think of a human body, don't you think of this, right? Some stoic gap model, right? Isn't that what you think of, right? In an awesome t-shirt. That's what I think of. I think the human body, but he said he gave examples of eyes and ears and legs and feet, and he said he talked about the, the gifts that he gives us in, in light of the parts of the body and how important they were to one another, that, that these arms and these hands have incredible function, incredible power, and incredible function, and incredible purpose, 
But what usually happens is usually, sorry, we, we, we don't understand that. So, so we look at gifts, we kind of categorize what God does in our lives as a category. And if we understand gifts at all, or we have a leaning towards gifts of understanding what God's done in us and what he's given us, um, we, we have a misunderstanding of what this even means in terms of, of our lives. And so we use our gifts to kind of decide what kind of churches we want to go to. And we, we use our gifts to kind of decide uh, what's most important in our lives. So we have a misunderstanding of the context of gifts alone, and we have a misunderstanding of how they really only have power and they really only have function and purpose if they're connected to the whole body, if they're connected to the other gifts that God's given us. And if they're not connected, which is how most of us live, we're just really kind of just like these dismembered body parts. You know, like we're just, we're just kind of sitting there, whether your feet or hands or ears or whatever. This is the least disturbing thing. You're not going to rip off the guy, right? Yeah. That's usually, that's just the, that is just what we, most of us, we just don't get to experience this power. And so today, what I'd like to do is walk through. Last week, we gave you the challenge to take a gifts assessment, just to get an idea, just, you know, to answer some questions and it responds back. It's gifts, giftstest.com. If you haven't been there, you can write it down, giftstest.com. You can go take it and it doesn't, it's not, it's not, the purpose is not to identify everything for you. It's just to give you a, a starting place gives you five of your top possible choices in terms of the gift mix in which God may be given you and has, and, has, and has gifted you with. So you can begin a process of studying and understanding. I, what I want to do today is I want to read through the big passages that we use as a baseline. They're not all the gifts, but they're a baseline of the majority of gifts that are simply listed in Scripture that Paul gives us. So we're going to start in Romans. I'll, I'll put it on the screen for those. If you want to write down the text comment, you can or t- write down the text uh, reference. You can look at these later. But the first set is in Romans 12. And it says, just as our bodies have many parts. Again, this is a, this is a picture that Paul's going to use constantly. He says, so each part is a special function. So it is with Christ's body. We're many parts of one body and we all belong to each other. In his grace, God has given us different gifts. For doing certain things well. So if God has given you the ability to prophesy, speak out with as much faith as God has given you. It says if you're a gift of serving others, serve them well. If you're a teacher, teach well. If your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging. If it's giving, then give generously. If God has given you leadership ability, take the responsibility seriously. And if he's given you the gift of showing kindness, other versions would say mercy, to others, then do it gladly. Now, just in a simple way, because of the way Paul describes it, these are basically called the seven gifts given by God the Father. So it says God has given these gifts. God the Father has given these gifts. Some call them the motivational uh, gifts. But these are just gifts listed in this particular passage that, that, that says God has gifted you with to do well the function he's called you to. If you go to Ephesians, Paul is addressing the church in Ephesus, and he, he makes another list of, of spiritual gifts that, are, that have another specific core function, and that's for the church. If you go to Ephesians 4, it says, There's one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, the Father of all, who is over all, in all, and living through all. However, he has given each one of us, this is where it gets you know, individual for us, he's given each one of us a, say the word out loud, go ahead, special gift through the generosity of Christ. If you skip to verse 11, he lists those gifts. He says, now these are the gifts Christ gave the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers. He says their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and to build up the church and the body of Christ. 
Okay, these, these, these are the gifts that he's given us, and it says these are the five gifts uh, by Jesus that he gives specific, they have a, they have a directional pointing where, where these giftings in people is going to be directed at the church specifically and given to the church to help equip, to help build up, to help empower. Here's another list. This is going back to uh, 1 Corinthians. This is where we read a lot of it last week. We didn't read the list last week, but we read a lot of the, the example of the body. But here's the list. He says, there's different kinds of spiritual gifts, but the same spirit is the source of all of them. You guys are getting the theme here of what he continues to say. It's all one God. Even though we're listing this as Jesus and the spirit, it's all one God doing all this work. He says, the spirit is the source of all of them. There's different kinds of service, but we serve the same Lord. God works in different ways, but it's the same God who does the work in all of us. A spiritual gift is given to each of us so we can help each other to use them. Then he says, to one person, the Spirit gives the ability to give wise advice, wisdom. To another, the same Spirit gives a message of special knowledge. He says, the same Spirit gives a great faith to another. And to someone else, that one Spirit gives the gift of healing. Then he gives, sorry, he gives one person the power to perform miracles and another the ability to prophesy. He gives someone else the ability to discern whether a message is from the Spirit of God or from another spirit. And he says, still another person is given the ability to speak in an unknown language, while another is given the ability to interpret what is being said. These are listed and kind of categorized as nine gifts given to us by the Holy Spirit. And again, this is just a kind of a baseline of the gifts that we are able to study, the gifts that we're able to see. The bottom line in all of this, when, when, God, when Paul writes the church and he's writing them, is that to understand you have been gifted You've been given gifts to use, to leverage, to live in, to experience the power of God in and through your life by, by, by uh, leveraging and using these gifts because it's who you are. Now today and throughout this series, this is one of the reasons we wrote the book and kind of walked through this whole big picture for our church, is we want to make sure you understand all the areas of life that this affects, all the areas of your life that this kind of, that the reason you've been gifted kind of motivates and changes for you. And one of those areas is, is, is one, this is a phrase I want you to remember. This is the bottom line phrase. But one of those areas is in the area of the purpose of your life. So here's the phrase. I want you to memorize it, okay? It's that you are gifted on purpose for purpose. Just say it out loud with me so I can know you're with me. Ready? Read this out loud. We are gifted on purpose for purpose. One more time. We are gifted on purpose for a purpose. Now, this is beautiful because gifted on purpose, this is just a beautiful picture that there's really no one in here. There's nobody in here that is gifted accidentally or incidentally. Okay? You're not, this was not a lottery thing. This was not a bingo night in heaven, right? This is, this is not how gifts were given. Scripture tells us that the Spirit of God knows exactly what was given to you and was given to you for a reason. You're gifted on purpose. We believe everything the Scripture says about the fact that God knew us before we were made. He knew us in our mother's womb. He helped, I mean, he, 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 he wove us together there. He gave you your talents. He gave you your passions. He gave you, he's orchestrating your experiences and your circumstances in your life all together. This is not a surprise to him. And what he's gifted you, once you've come back to God, once you've returned to him and surrendered your life to him and the Holy Spirit indwells you, these gifts are already there. And you just have to unlock them. You have to be able to to surrender to the degree of understanding your gifts so that you can unleash and unlock the power of God by beginning to live in those gifts. All right? That's not accidental. 
It's on purpose. And it's not incidental either. I mean, incidental is just the idea that, listen, Paul in 1 Corinthians 14 is really having to deal with the church in Corinth. That's one of the reasons he went to great lengths to talk about the way the body functions. Is because they, they kind of, you know, it's now our natural bent is to decide when something is more important than something else, right? Nod your head. It's just our natural human bent. We decide that things are more important than others. And usually, if I'm deciding, it's the way I see things that's most important, right? It's never going to be the way you see things. So this was happening in the church, and it's natural in the church that, that certain gifts were kind of being labeled as like the gifts and the things to be, and other gifts were basically incidental. And that's just not the way it works. It's why he gave us this beautiful picture of the body, why we can't, misun- we can't afford to misunderstand it. Or we begin to think that we're sort of some sort of third-rung, you know, third-rung gifted person, that our gifts don't matter the same, and they all have function, and they all have meaning when it comes to the body. So it's not, you, you were gifted on purpose, nothing accidental or incidental about it. But you were also gifted for purpose in your life. So the question becomes, what is our purpose? Now maybe this is a question you've never asked. And let's just be honest, when you're young, you don't ask this question because you're awesome. And I know you, you think you're awesome, right? And the reason I'm here is because I'm awesome and that's the reason that I exist. If you're older and you've had some ups and downs in your life, maybe you've asked this question a few times. What, what is my purpose? Why am I here? Why am I drawing breath? What is my existence, right? There are seasons of life where we ask this question more often than others. What is my purpose? If you were part of uh, our B3 gatherings or our, our, our ladies' gatherings this week, B3 got together and some of the men, uh, we actually kicked this around in both, and some of the men asked, uh, the, the men kind of came together and kind of drew out what were some of the questions we asked when we were trying to define or find purpose in life. And so here's the list they gave me. This is what most of the men came up with. They asked questions like, what are you passionate about? Okay, what, do you, what are your values? What are your goals? Uh, what's, your, what's your burden? What do you hurt, hurt over? And what's the motivation in terms of what drives you? What kind of force drives you? They talked about giftedness there. We talked about just the, you know, the gifts that also you have or the talents and abilities that you have. And these are all good things. These are all things, as we were talking about it, the men just said, hey, these are all things that would come up in the conversation as we try to find purpose. If you're a part of the ladies' gathering, the ladies talked about the race that you are born to run, that you are born to win. Okay? And they, the, the, the primary scripture was 1 Corinthians 9, where it says, don't you realize that, every, you know, that in a race, everyone runs, but only one person gets the prize? So run to win, right? All athletes are disciplined in their training. And it says, and they do it to win a prize that will fade away. But we do it, talking about the believers of God, he says, we do it for an eternal prize. So I run, this is Paul saying, so I run with, read that word, purpose in every step. This is why purpose matters. And so if you were part of some of those conversations, you're kind of already kind of around the edge of what does it even mean? Because yes, we have a race and a calling and a spiritual journey that we have that's called this race, that Paul kind of talked about this race that we were made to win and to, to, to run and to win. And even the stuff the guys talked about, you know, the, all the things we came up with, passions and values and motivations, those are all good. Those are, those are not bad. But you can't just look at those and sometimes get right to the what is my purpose and get the answer, clear answer of what is my purpose in this life? Why am I here? I know why we're here, but I don't want to know why I'm here. And so I'll share with you just kind of where this journey uh, led me personally. Um, 
many, many, many years ago, and I, I make fun of my past sometimes. I'll talk about my being raised in the Baptist church. Uh, my wife and I, it's all we knew for several years was just Baptist church. We were both we were both at Baptist church before we were even born. We didn't even know what a Baptist church was, and that's what we were. We were good Baptist children, right? And, and, and it wasn't all, listen, it wasn't all hypocrisy and church damage. Like, we have a great foundation and heritage of the churches that we've been a part of. We, have, we, have, we had wonderful teachers. We had wonderful people in those churches that, you know, were examples of living out faith and living for God. So, but, but it was just a change for us. At one time in our life, in our, in our young 20s, we were already married, um, we left the Baptist church, and again, we'd only known Baptist churches. We left the Baptist church, and we went to a Presbyterian church, and it was very different. Nod your head if you've ever had a transition like that. Some of you had that transition when you came to Journey, right? It's very different. Now, one thing that was very different about the Presbyterian church, now, we didn't go there because of any like type of doctoral statement or theological thing. We didn't even know any of those things back then. We didn't quite know the difference, and so we went there because of the people and because of the environment that they created. Well, I'll never forget this because it was very different. They had a lot more liturgy in their service. Raise your hand if you know what liturgy means in church, right? They had a lot more liturgy in service. In business terms, all that really means is procedural processes. That's what it means. They had a lot more procedural processes in their service than I remembered in the Baptist church. But in their forms of liturgy, in their times of, of being a little more liturgious, um, I'll never forget the very first time through worship, we were in the middle of a worship singing, that they put this... Um, they had confessions and prayers and all sorts of things they'd put up on the screen. But they put this thing that was from the Westminster Catechisms, the Shorter Catechisms, and it was, uh, it was I'd never seen it before. And I'm, it's one of those times where it showed up on the screen and it was something I'd never forget. And here's what it said. It says, what is the chief end of man? And the answer was, because this is how this particular catechism worked, the answer was to glorify God and enjoy him forever. It's question one right out of the gate. What is the chief end of man? And I'll never forget, I'll never forget kind of going, oh, wow, that's really interesting. Especially the way the, the question is phrased, what is the chief end of man? Well, it's what is the purpose, right? What is the ultimate purpose for mankind? And, and to, take, to take the complexity of religion and to simplify it to those two statements is to glorify God and is to enjoy him forever. Now here's some, if you go into the larger catechisms or you go into some of the scripture references that they give, they give plenty of scripture references as to why these summary statements uh, exist in, 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 the, in the confessions and catechisms. So here it says, so whether you, this is from 1 Corinthians, this is talking about glorifying God, it says, whether you eat, you know, so whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, basically Paul's entering an argument about um, people getting really arguing about specific things. He said, look, at the end of the day, no matter what you eat or drink, and whatever you do, I mean the primary phrase, kind of whatever that may be, you're going to do it all for the glory of God. Like there, There's nothing in your life that you're going to do that's not going to give glory to something. We want you, in terms of just the, he's like, I want you, the church, to do all of it, no matter what it is, to the glory of God, to glorify him and enjoy him forever. Here's the verse from Hebrews 13 that talks a little bit about this idea of enjoying him. And it goes on to say, now may the God of peace, and he gives the, the description, he says, may the God of peace who brought up from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, and ratified an eternal covenant with his blood. May that God, may the God of peace who did all that, may he equip you. May he equip you with all that you need for doing his will. This was a big verse for me. I don't know if you were raised in the Baptist church, but being in God's will was a big deal. Nod your head if you're with me, Right? Okay? It wasn't just Baptist, it was all religion. But being in God, it was something we talked about all the time, being in God's will. 
He says, no. He says, listen, may God, he's going to equip you. He's going to give you all that you need to be in the will of God, to actually do what he, what he wills. And then it says, may he produce in you, and this has a lot to do with what it looks like to mature in our faith, to, to grow in our faith and mature in our walk with Christ. It says, may he produce in you, may it, may it be produced in you through the power of Christ, every good thing that is pleasing to him. May, may, may everything that's in you that becomes out, right? So what he's saying, produced in you that comes out, Please God, all glory to him forever and ever. Amen. And these were big deals for me. Again, I, I probably spent anywhere between three to four, maybe even five years, just from that point forward, kind of deconstructing things I thought I thought I knew about purpose and life and everything else and, and, and working through what did it mean? What did it mean? Because, again, growing up in the church, glorifying God with my actions, I kind of understood, right? Glorifying God. I got that. But enjoying him was a struggle. Enjoying him just meant different things for me. So if I was going to boil my purpose down or our purpose down to glorify, go go back, go to the next slide, to glorify, yep, to glorify and enjoy, those two phrases alone, I just had more hard, I just had a hard time with the second one. Again, most religion is pretty behavior-based, so glorifying God just meant you got to do what you got to you do what God wants you to do and do it right. Don't do it wrong. That's pretty simple. Enjoying him was different. Again, I'm just sharing my story. Enjoying him was a little different. I didn't quite, I don't know, I sang Southern Gospel for many, many years, and most of the things you learn in Southern Gospel music is that you get to enjoy God a lot in heaven. Okay, It's a lot of songs about heaven. And glory land and Beulah land and heavenly land and heavenly road and glory road. You know, it's just a lot of those kind of songs. There wasn't a whole lot about enjoying them right now. And so for me, I, I, I don't know if it was taught, you know, explicitly or if it was just an underlying thing. I was kind of taught that most of the things that I enjoyed probably had sin in it. You guys nod your head if you're with me, right? Most of the things I enjoyed about my life or, or wanted to enjoy probably were bad or had a bad root in it. And I didn't, I'm just, I'm telling you, the harder part for me was to understand what did it mean to just enjoy God right now? How do I strip away all this religion? How do I strip away all this behavior? How do I strip away all the things that, that I've been told for years that God says I have to do and not to do to an ultimate purpose that just glorifies God with my life and gets, I get to enjoy him. I get to enjoy this life that he's given me, every opportunity, every, everything's from him. And if I'm walking with him, he's going to equip me to do his will. And if I'm growing in him, he's going to produce in me what I need to please him. How could it be that simple? And it was a struggle. I'm saying that this was a journey for me in my life to really begin to understand the ultimate purpose, the ultimate purpose for my life to glorify and enjoy. And I'll tell you for me again, um, when I began to understand those two words, this is really in my life where I begin to live out and understand and live out of my gifts. I begin to understand how and why God gifted me the way he did. And it didn't really matter the job I had, and it didn't really matter the size family we were at the time, and it didn't really matter where we lived, and it didn't really matter the, some of the things that drive us didn't really matter. When I began to look at this, it had a whole lot more to do with how God made me and who I was. And, 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 and this is where I began to say, okay, I'm, I've been gifted this way. I'm going to live out and leverage these things. And coincidentally, I began to experience more of the power of God in my life. When I began to understand 
that everything I was called to do, no matter what, was to glorify him and enjoy him forever. I get to enjoy that forever starts right now, today. And enjoy him. That, that being a Christian wasn't supposed to be a burden. Now, I'm not saying it's easy, right? I'm not saying it's easy. There's a challenge in terms of growing in your faith, but it wasn't meant to be a chore. It wasn't meant to be a burden. It wasn't meant to be this thing we grudgingly do. It was supposed to be something we get to enjoy. Enjoying him forever, this freedom that came with that. And as I began to think through this book and I began to think through this idea that, that living in that giftedness, understanding better how God has gifted us, how it changes and aligns us towards that greater purpose, that ultimate purpose of glorifying God and enjoying Him forever with our entire lives, where we live, work, and play, doesn't matter. And I began to think through there really is kind of two ways in which some of us really approach purpose. I'm going to talk about the way that most of us approach purpose. This is just a natural thing for most of us to do. Many of us, have, I mean, you've, maybe if you've asked this question or you've wrestled with it every year, and maybe your one word reflects this or your news resolutions reflect this, but purpose is a big deal. And the human spirit, listen, the human spirit's pretty powerful. It can do a lot of things. It can drive us for periods of time towards anything we want. But this is usually the questions that we ask to try to find those purposes, and I call them lesser purposes, right? That a lesser purpose is really driven by these questions. What do I want? Therefore, and what do I do because of what I want? Like my behavior comes because of what I want. And what I want is I want to retire early, right? I want to retire early and, I, and therefore what I do is I'm going to make these decisions and make these decisions and these investments and choose this and not choose this. And because of what I want, I'm going to be driven by that purpose to make all these decisions in my life, right? I want this body, right? I want this body. So here's the grass I'm going to eat, and here's the 3 a.m. like workout I'm going to do, right? Like these are the things I want, and they will drive, right? They will drive what I do. I want to be successful in, 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 in my career path. I want to be successful in my career path. Well, it'll drive what I do. It, I've got my five-year plan, and if I can make this happen by this point, and I can make this happen. I mean, just think about it. What I want, I want a husband, I want a wife, I want a relationship, I want to be married again. When those things drive us, they, are, they will drive us for purpose, but they're a lesser purpose in our life. They will change. And if we attach them to our careers, and we attach them to relationships, and we attach them to circumstances, we live our life for a whole lot of a lesser purpose. Matter of fact, you can even say, what don't I want, Right? You can even come down the path and say, I'm making decisions based off what I don't want to experience, what I don't want. Just, I'll give you personally for me, I mean, I, you know, I wasn't always in ministry. I worked my first 10 years of, of just working life. I was in sales and I was in, you know, working jobs and I drove trucks and I, and I sold things and I just, you know, I wanted money. I wanted to be successful. I wanted to find my niche. I wanted to find my, my thing. I was a good salesman, right? I enjoyed new things, entrepreneurial opportunities, let me tell you what I didn't want. I didn't want to work for a church, ever, okay? And as a matter of fact, I aligned my life, even the things we did to volunteer in church, I aligned my life so that I would never be an opportunity because I didn't want to. Churches were, we liked going to church, but I'm just telling you, from our experience, working at a church, this was awful. It's the worst decision you could ever make. And that's, not, I mean, so I'm telling you, things I did, things I did to align for my lesser purpose was, I was living for lesser purposes, not just by what I wanted, 
But why would I didn't want either? I didn't want to end up like that. I didn't want to go there. And when we are driven by what we want, I'm, not, I'm telling you, there's something still very powerful about that. Your spirit, the spirit that you have, the human spirit, it's a powerful thing. It can drive you. It can fuel you short-term for temporary things that are really still a lesser purpose in your life. And when I began to see this, this was well before going, I mean, this, this journey that I went on in terms of understanding purpose, the greater purpose, the ultimate purpose, to glorify God and enjoy Him forever and to live in that freedom. This was all before I ever went to ministry. This is long before I went to ministry. I was still working. It just, I began to view things differently. I began to view my work differently and my family differently. And where, again, where we lived and all these things just took a lesser, it wasn't that it didn't matter, it just didn't matter as much because I had this greater purpose, this ultimate purpose in mind. And so when you have that ultimate purpose to glorify God and enjoy Him forever, you start asking different questions. You start asking different questions, and this is the primary question that I introduced last week, which is, who am I? And if who, the answer to this question, who am I, will begin to dictate what I do, you will have an opportunity to unleash that power in you, to unleash the power of God in and through you, through your gifts, and everything else he's given you, every opportunity he's given you, the way he's given you talents and abilities, and primarily through your giftedness you begin to experience something you've never experienced before if you just start asking who I am. Now, again, you have to be careful because when you are young, you are really tempted to decide who you are based on what everybody else says you are. Nod your head if you're with me, right? And if you're older, right, if you're older and you've lived life a little while, then all your past failures and all your past experiences, that tries to tell you who you are. Nod your head if you're with me. So you have to know that when I'm talking about who am I, I'm talking about in light of what God says, in light of who he is, in light of who I am because of who God is and what he said. Who am I in light of how he has gifted me? Now, you've been trying to figure this thing out. You've been trying to figure your purpose out for a long time. And you've been asking questions that are kind of more driven by what I want. You've been, trying to, you've been asking questions like, I don't know, what am I passionate about? Oh, just live what you're passionate about. Just live it and it'll be fine. I don't know about you, but I'm passionate about all sorts of things. It changes. I'm passionate about cheese fries. Like, I'm passionate about a lot of different things. That might not be the healthiest thing for me to live out, right, and make my purpose. Well, what drives you? I don't know what drives you. It could be really unhealthy. But I'm telling you that when you begin to think through how God has gifted you, how God has made you, what he has placed in you by the power of his spirit. You begin to have different conversations about what it would look like to live in that that glorifies God. And you get to enjoy him right now and forever. So who are you? Right, who are you? Are you, are you someone with a, with a gift of mercy? You're someone with a gift of mercy and maybe there's some other things in there, but but mercy might be a primary gifting for you. And it doesn't really matter if you've got a desk at, you know, at Wells Fargo or Bank of America or if you're a stay-at-home mom or dad. Who you are matters more than those two things. Who you are matters far more when it comes to what are you going to do about that? How are you going to live your life in that way? You know, if you're, you're, you know if again, for me, I began to see the, the, I began to, again, part of this goes back to the illustration I gave last week which is not just how God gifted me, because I was, uh, 
I'm gifted as an encourager, yes, but I'm also gifted as a leader. I'm also gifted as an apostle. I have apostolic leadership in me that is specific to the church. And when it was out here, when it was just kind of this dismembered hand, it found itself into all sorts of like little, little schemes and opportunities and entrepreneurial passions and things that are new and things that are driven by money and all the things that I wanted. And when I began to understand, I got a part of a healthy body. I got part of a healthy church and community. And I began to get connected. And that goes back to what we talked about last week. To be connected to the body is to be able to understand my function and purpose with all of it. Sometimes it's easier than others to get connected to the body. <laughs> Sorry, there's a little, there we go. It's, it's easier to find out sometimes, and it just, it, just, it just changes the format. When I'm connected to the body, when I understand that, yes, my encouragement and my apostolic leadership and my pastor, you know, shepherd care, and those voices and those gifts inside me had a very specific purpose in my life. It changed how I viewed work. It changed how I viewed my, my hobbies and where I spent time and money versus when I was you know, when I was dismembered versus when I was connected to a body. Does that make sense? So even when you say, who, I, who am I? The result of that answer to that question is going to really dictate whether or not you're connected or not. You're going to be able to have that conversation and be able to understand, I'm really not connected to the body, so I don't have a great answer for who I am. I'm still listening to what the world says I am based on my talents and my personality and my experiences. I'm still listening to my past failures and my past experiences and the past and the current circumstances I find myself in to tell me who I am because I'm not connected to the body. But when you begin to understand, like we talked about last week, the connection is this primary thing that matters in understanding your gifts. And then when you begin to live in and leverage who you are, you've got the gift of prophecy where truth is of utmost importance to you, but it's wired to be God's truth that would be of utmost importance to you. But that's where you, it doesn't matter whether you're an extrovert or an introvert. That, those things don't matter as much as living in and understanding the gift that God's given you. If it's giving or generosity, if it's serving, right? If it's wisdom, it doesn't matter. Who are you? How has he gifted you? Are you beginning a path of understanding this? Are you even beginning the conversation with God of, hey, you wired me this? I mean, I got so many great emails this week after some of you took the assessment. Some of you sent an email to me and said, hey, here's my test. <laughs> I don't know about that one, right? But there's no better place to start before you're going to get to a place where you understand, hey, listen, the freedom that you can experience in your life of understanding the ultimate purpose of your life to glorify God and enjoy Him forever is going to begin to align your passions and your work and your friends and your hobbies and your motivations. It's going to begin to align it better in your life when you begin to understand who you are and how God has gifted you. And then when you begin to live out of it, as we're going to talk about in the next few weeks, when you begin to grow in maturity in it, I'm telling you, the power of God is going to move in your life and it's going to free you from things that you've been enslaved to. It's going to free you from a life of lesser purposes. When you understand that greater purpose and you begin to ask the question and really seek out from God, who am I? Who am I? 
And let your behavior, let the way in which you live, let the plans for this year begin to change based on the answer to that question. Just like I said last week, you are gifted. You may need to say that a thousand more times before you believe it's true, that I am gifted by God. I am gifted for purpose. I am gifted for transformation. And I am gifted to make an impact in this world. But that purpose, everything else is going to feel really, really scattered and dismembered until you begin to understand that greater and ultimate purpose and who you are in the midst of that. That's my prayer for you this week. Let's pray together. Father God, we come and we are so thankful for the picture that you give us of the body. And God, we confess the times in our life, maybe it's the current time that we've been spending a lot of time living for lesser purposes. And the way in which you've gifted us and the way in which you've made us we don't spend any time really considering how it glorifies you and we're certainly not enjoying you and our relationship with you. And God, part of it is just because we're not connected. We're not a fully connected part of the body of Christ in the way in which you've made us. And God, when we begin to understand that, God, I pray today just as you've kind of declared through your word that you would begin, you would begin this process of equipping us with all that we need to do and the way in which we need to live that glorifies you. God, we know that's the way you gifted us. And God, because of that, as we begin to grow in this, as we begin to learn more about this, as we begin to mature in our faith and in our gifts, God, that you would produce in us everything in our lives that's going to please you. God, I'm so thankful for the freedom to just sort of uh, deconstruct the religious ideals that I grew up with to move me to a place of freedom that knowing that no matter what I do, no matter what my job is, no matter where I live, no matter what you know hobbies I'm engaged in, no matter what's going on in my life, God, that my ultimate purpose is to glorify you and enjoy you forever. And God, every morning when I renew that in my heart, May, be the, may that be the thing that people see in me. May that be the thing that people in this community see in this church and the representatives of your body at Journey, working where they work and living where they live and you know hobbies and engaging in all sorts of community activities where they are, that they would see people who are living out of a power that is not their own, out of a power that is within them, out of gifts that are within them, and God, that the, just by the nature of who they are, there's so much joy in their life. And they have no problem with what they're doing because they know that all of it is going to glorify you. God, that's our goal. That's our dream. I pray for every person here and watching later, God, that you would begin that process of moving us towards living for the ultimate purpose of our lives and aligning that with who we are and how we've been gifted in you. I pray all of this in your name, Jesus. Amen.